0: Good morning. Good morning. How are you? It's great. It's good to, good to be together, right? What a beautiful day. Two days of sunshine in a row. This is like awesome, and we're glad for it. And it's good to be in the presence of, uh, of the Lord and, and with those who are just leaning into Him, right? Learning to worship Him and, and follow, follow after Him. Uh, I just, on behalf of the pastoral team, I want to thank you, all of you who have uh, just uh, expressed appreciation to us and those who deep down inside of you are appreciative but couldn't bring yourself to say so. We just want to really... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We have just been lavished with so much uh, expression of love and uh, we, we we thank you very much. And it's, it's extremely encouraging. Uh, in a day when there are many... Um, uh, leaders of churches who are um, just quitting uh, because of just how difficult it's been. Like, how do you please people, right? And how do you fulfill expectations, even the ones you have? Boy, it's it's a it's been um, it's been traumatic and difficult, challenging. But in the midst of that, I, I will just say, I'm just so thankful for this community. Thankful for how we've been, Chris used the word slogging it through, right? Slogging through all this, but uh, man, God is with us. And I don't want to forget that there's another in the fire. Amen? Because I can spend a lot of time looking at the fire. But I think I need to look at the one who's in the fire with me and with you, right? With all of us. And so we, we do have that privilege. We have that invitation to do so. I also want to thank I want to thank those of you, and I know not everybody has done this, but um, I want to thank those of you who have, have decided to go with us on the journey into the deep dive, go deep, uh, in, into, this, um, into this prompt, which is uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, a uh, book that we've been looking at. As this, this book is a prompt to get us to look at Jesus and at the wholeness that he wants to bring to us in our lives, not just on the surface. But that those things that are underneath the surface, like from family, our family of origin, things that we've become uh, accustomed to, things that are habitual within our lives, things where we would tend to say, well, that's just the way I am. But we know it's not healthy, and it certainly isn't loving toward God, toward others, or even toward ourselves. I just want to thank you if you have been one of those people who have decided, I'm going I'm to take the deep dive. I'm going to take the, do you, do you know, I mean, when you know, I was a kid, I could always tell the difference between jumping off the low board and the high board. I mean, you know, for some reason, the low board, you know, I, I knew I did not need a parachute on the low board, right? But on the high board, it just was, had a little different sort of like, oh, in me. Now, maybe you weren't like that, but for me, that's how it was. And um, for many of us, though, taking this deep dive, this is like and some are actually saying, I'm not going to go there. And you know what? I pray someday you will. But those of you who have decided to go ahead and go, and those that are saying, well, you don't know, maybe, maybe I should do that, then I want to encourage you. It's not too late, you know. Uh, we're, we're moving in this direction, but I want to let you know, uh, there's, still, there's still a spot for you, right? Step in. Uh, see what God wants to do within your life. T- you know, t- test the depths of his love for you, because I guarantee you, He is not going to let you down. Amen? Or as they would say, can I get a testimony, right? He's not going to let you down. Observation. Observation. For the most part, we who claim the name of Jesus are as addicted, hurried, frantic, preoccupied, fatigued, angry, discontented, self-absorbed, lacking peace, purpose, and pace, blown by every wind of cultural or religious doctrine that happens to be blowing, we are, for the most part, those who claim to be Jesus are as messed up as those who don't even know Jesus. Okay, that didn't go over very well, so we'll go... (laughs) I think it's interesting, in the middle of Psalm 139, or toward the end of it, you know that, that verse that says, search me, O God, and know my heart? Everybody, anybody pray that prayer? Search me and know my heart. Why would you do that? Because he says, see if there is any offensive way in me, right? And lead me in the way, of, uh, the way everlasting, right? So search me right in the middle of my... I think it's really interesting. The verses that f- uh, precede that are these. I do I, I I I I do not hate Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. And then he he says a very bold thing. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now I don't know how all that would fly in the, in the older testament. But if you were standing before Jesus and you say, ah, I abhor those people, <laughs> search me, oh God, and know my. <laughs> oh, oh man. You know what he's going to do, don't you? He's going to search your heart. He's going to reveal whatever is offensive. Test me. Know my anxious thought. All these times in which we're living, the slogging through, all this stuff, this is like a testing of the heart. Right, so that what is the thoughts of the heart, the anxious thoughts of the heart, get revealed. See if there is any offensive way in me. You know, if there's an offensive way in me, God, I want you to see it, so and show me, so I can see it, right, and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's really a good end to this, right? Lead me in the way everlasting. So Pete Scazzaro, in this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, chapter six, it's all about the matter of purposefully stopping, like the psalmist did in Psalm 139, purposefully stopping along the way and turning to God throughout the day and the week and, um, and learn a new way of being in the world. In fact, he calls it, and I like this, an entirely new way of being in the world. Now, here's the deal. You, you, don't, you don't get to be taken out of the world. I know you want a different world. It's not different. And, and I don't, I, pretty much, I think that things are forever changed. Like we're in a, we're in a tsunami season. Things are forever changed. We're going to have to decide how we're going to walk in this world in which we live. Are we going to hate the world or are we going to love the world not not not, not the priorities of the world and all that, but are we going to, are we going to love are we going to love people right? like I had a, an encounter uh, just well, a conversation you know I could have turned it into a counter it was not the appropriate time <laughs> but I had a, a conversation with a young uh, college freshman uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, and he, uh, he just said to me, this college freshman, he's from Oregon, lives uh, a ways outside of Portland, but when, as we were talking, he said, where are you from? He, he said, I'm from uh, Oregon. I said, oh yeah, you, you're Portland? And he said, and he said these words, he says, I hate Portland. And I could tell you that he was picking up somebody else's hatred. I hate Portland. And I was thinking... I wonder if he prayed, search me, O God, know my heart. You know what Jesus did when he looked over the city of Jerusalem and saw how rebellious it was? He says he cried. And he says how often I would have gathered you up and how I would have protected you. He was like heartbroken. This is not hatred, this is great love. When we stop along the way within our lives in order to encounter the risen Jesus who had died for the sins of the world, something has to begin to happen within our inner man, inner woman that transforms the way we live in the world. So this is kind of a different way of doing life. Jesus said when he prayed for his disciples and for us, he says this, I do not pray that you would take them out of the world because it was for this reason I sent them, to be in the world, but I pray that you would protect them in the world, that you would protect them from the evil one. Right? So as I sanctify myself to be in the world, so I sanctify them. I am sending them as you sent me, Father. So here we are. (laughs) <laughs> we don't get out of this, we get to determine how we're going to be in this. Together. As the people of God. You know, I, this whole matter of, uh, you know, emotional health, peace, you know, we, I think we would really like to be able to do this on our own, this emotional health thing on our own terms. However, it's become very apparent to me about me, and I think about a lot of us, that we're not gonna be able to come to this emotional health, spiritual maturity thing where Jesus touches every part of our lives or where every part of our lives becomes whole. We're not gonna be able to do it by our own wit and wisdom. We're gonna have to have another, maybe that other who is in the fire with us, right? Maybe the Jesus who has immersed himself. I just I it, it, kind of describing these days. Uh, I I heard uh, um, kind of a beautiful illustration by Marilyn Strickland uh, this week, in which or Danielle Strickland, excuse me, in which she was talking about Paul's missionary journeys. And, and you know, like at the back, if you happen to have uh, a Bible uh, that is uh, you know kind of like 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 this, the, in the back there are, are maps. You ever seen the maps in the back? You guys ever seen a Bible like this? It's actually not electronic. Okay. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Uh, but anyway, there are these uh, there are these maps back here, and 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 I remember as a kid, uh, seeing the the Paul's missionary journeys, and you kind of follow the map, and you see where he went on this first journey, second journey, third journey, and so forth, and you you see all the twists and turns and everything, and uh, and here's here's the amazing thing about it. The map was drawn after the journey. Now, you and I, we want a map ahead of the journey, don't we? In fact, we have maps. Maps. We, we can click on, you know, our phone, get a map, and we can know ahead of the journey. We can know how to get there. But spiritual life, the life with God in this world, is, is really like we have a person for the journey, but we don't have a map. The map you trust, because there are twists and turns, there's like, there's, there's like, here we're going along, COVID. Here we're going along, political stuff. Here we're going along, race. Here we're going along, you know, uh, someone of importance in your life passes away. That's happened for some of you this past week. Here we are going along. This happens, this happens. Here it is, a loss of a job. Here's, here's a difficult time. Here's a, a wayward child. Here's a, a di- here are divorcing parents. You're going boom, 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 boom. Here's, right? <laughs> what this is not in my plan. But here's the deal. Like those journeys with Paul, the map, every place the twists and turns came, there is Jesus, ahead of them, ready, working. When you look back over the map of your life, I hope it is for you and for me not the map just that you planned out, but I hope it is the map of your experience with the faithfulness of God in the things that have been imposed upon you, things that have come into your life. And it's, it's going to be because you and I learned how to connect with this God who is on the journey with us in a really a powerful way. Now, what I want to underscore for us And and that's a rather long uh, introduction, but what I want to underscore for us is that we are actually called to make space in our lives as they're going on. We're called to make space for the supremacy of Jesus. Now, I just want to read about the supremacy of Jesus from Colossians chapter 1 and and, uh, a little bit about prayer from Colossians chapter 3. So, in your Bible verse uh, chapter 1 verse 13 it says this that god the father god he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins the son this is the supremacy of jesus now listen to this the son is the image of the invisible god if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Amen? We're going to go back over that in a moment. But, man, that is like, whew, that's money right there. Chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and Thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, which, for which I am in chains. The map just changed for Paul, right? For which I am in chains. That was, not in, that was not in his plan. But what does he do? Pray that I will proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in every way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen. God's word. God's word. You believe that? God's word? God's word for us. So there's this matter of this, the power of encounter with the living God in Jesus Christ. What we see here. Like, like verses 13 and 14 say this. For God the Father, or he has, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now this is something really wonderful that's happened to you if you've come to a faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. God has rescued you from i like this from the tyranny of dark powers <laughs> how good is that right rescued you from the tyranny of dark power do you feel tyrannized are are you letting yourself fall again under tyranny From the tyranny of dark powers, he has brought us out of that into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. We live in a different kingdom. We live here. We're citizens of this world. We we have dual citizenship. We're citizens also of the kingdom of heaven. We belong to Christ. Christ is Lord above every other Lord. Amen. The supremacy of Jesus. And you and I, we have brought into this kingdom of the Son, He loves. And and really understanding that is a kingdom in which love brings a pervasive holiness and wholeness to our lives. His love is conquering, His, His love is conquering our hearts. Amen? Because He is King, and we belong to His kingdom. Now, this is a big deal. We have been transferred. So if we've been transferred into the kingdom of the Son he loves, let's no longer live as though we were citizens under the dominion of darkness. We're not that. Right? So we live out our lives differently in this world. In him we have redemption, reconciliation, a relationship of love producing a wholeness. This tremendous supremacy of Jesus, and he goes on and talks about the son is the image of the invisible God, and he goes on and on, and he just talks about Jesus. Let's highlight a few of them. All things, I think it says that in verse 17, he is before all things, uh, excuse me, let's go back. All things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. You look around and see things messed up. Oh, God, that was created by you and for you. That's for you. That's for you. Your life, you're created by him, and you're created for him. Your original design is that you were created by him, and you were created for him. You're not created for another. There's to be no other Lord over you. You, you. You're... Your, your life is completely misaligned, my life completely misaligned if there's any other Lord exercising authority over my life. He, I've been created f- by him and for him. I, I remember, I, in fact, I found a, a, a little note written back uh, uh, years ago. I, I, I do remember who this little kid was uh, I'm glad I wrote his name down, because otherwise I would not have remembered. But we happened to have, for some reason, way back, we happened to have a Saturday evening uh, gathering, uh, a service of sorts, and a time for sharing. And at that time, uh, Sandy was 10 years old, and um, he reflected on his own coming to church, and he said this. He said, I have, he said, I have many questions, <laughs> He's 10, he has many questions, right? And then he says this remarkable statement, which I think a child, this is childlike faith in some amazing ways. He says, My mom taught me this verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that answered my questions. (laughs) I don't know, there's just something like powerful in that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I I have many questions. I asked mom and, and she taught me this verse. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and that answered my questions. <laughs> I mean they're just I don't know. I mean, take that home, because here I am adult and you know I've I've lived a lot, I got a lot of questions, and I think I'm really smart. Pfft, not so much. But you know, at times you get on your high horse and the simplest things just pass you by. God created the heavens and the earth and you go, Oh yeah, yeah, what's next, right? Ba-ba, like the first verses of the whole Bible tend to set in motion uh, a, an explanation or a beauty about this world in which we live and answer so many questions. Now, it may not be that simple for you, but I would like to encourage you to become a child in these days. Let God teach you this supremacy. Uh, uh, We were created by him and for him. In him all things hold together. Did you, uh, is that like just a, is that, are you kidding? Is he kidding? Is this a joke? Because obviously a lot of things have fallen apart. What does he mean? Is this true? And at what degree is it true? And if it is true, why is it so important to our lives to understand this? He was before all else began and it is his power that holds everything together. This, this, this supremacy of Jesus. I'll, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of stuff that falls apart in my life. But I have noticed this. There's only one who can put my heart back together. There's only one who can put my heart back together. There's only one who can mend our hearts together. You know who he is? This is the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body, the church to which we now belong, right? He's the head. He's the head. If the church goes running off without its head, this is not going to turn out well. We'll lose our ability to think like the head think like christ and it says so that in everything he might have the supremacy the determining influence over everything wow And so later, after he talks about all this, then he just says this, chapter four, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In other words, prayer is that conversation, that conversational piece that pulls us together with the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I would offer to you is this, that there are rhythms of prayer that we should and can adopt within our lives that would make space for the supremacy of Jesus. Do you know you actually need to make space for the supremacy of Jesus in your life? Make space throughout your day. Wow, you know how a week can be, you know? And this making space disrupts the distracting noise. There's, there's the noise of my, my own head. <laughs> there's the noise of, of the culture around me, including the church culture sometimes, just Noise. You know, there's this culture of social media, there's the noise of, of media, there's the noise of this and that, man, I, I, need, I need so much to disrupt that and pay attention to create space for the supremacy of Jesus, because I need his influence profoundly, right, within, within my own life. Sometimes, have you ever noticed that during a day, during a week, now we're talking about applied Christianity, right? During a day, during a week, you're, you're just going along and um, you, know, you may have spent some time with God in the morning uh, or not, um, but, but Sunday is in the rearview of your mirror and you don't, there's not much that you're remembering from Sunday and you're going about your life as though God is not relevant. And you're, you're down the rabbit hole when all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I've lost my peace, my joy, and what just came out of my mouth is not much like Jesus. Anybody? Is there a testimony here? Man, we can all raise our hands. What are you going to do about that? How are we going to establish rhythms within our life that by, by which we, and, and, and good old Thomas Kelly from a Quaker from... from uh, the last century, first of the last century, he talked about this, this matter of returning to the quiet center, being able to call ourselves back, a, a repentance, a, a way of reminding ourselves that, that to whom we belong, right, and what we're for. That's pretty powerful. How are we going to do that? Uh, I have, You know, we all have, like, emotional things that happen to us. Like the other day, uh, well, weeks ago, I had a a situation in which um, I I just thought uh, the person had acted really rudely and uh, I was kind of way whether to say something or not and uh, so I thought about it, uh, you know, in the afternoon and night and then I decided to just let it go. (laughs) The only problem is it showed up in my first thoughts the next morning and I go, hmm, because we're doing this study, I thought I ought to do something about this. No, that's, that's a joke. But in a way, because we're in this, my heart's being trained to do something differently. So I, I just I, I kind of sat on the edge of my bed that morning. And I had a lot to do. I was ready to run, ready to go. And uh, I just paused. I, I just held these thoughts before God for a while. And I just said, what, what do you need to say to me about this? And you know what? He did not say anything. But what happened is this. As I just held it there before the supremacy of Jesus, something began to shift in my emotions. It's just, just hold it in his presence. And something began to shift in my emotions so that after just about five minutes or so, I was like at peace. I was more concerned for this other person than my own offense. And I saw clearly how to walk out the relationship. And it it wasn't like really complex. He just helped me settle my heart. And it was really important. So making space for the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or as it says in the book, it's called the daily office or establishing reg- regular rhythms of grace or, or of space to be with God. Now, he, he draws someone on uh, St. Benedict from uh, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the late 400s to early 500s this uh, monk lived. And you may say, well, I don't want anything to do with Catholicism and monks and all that stuff. Here, I want to just administer a little humility to you right now, Okay? It is this, how arrogant we would be to think that we cannot learn from 2,000 years of Christian history where people have been learning how to pray to God since Jesus ascended and went to heaven. Amen? Come on, I need a good amen to that one. Because listen. It's time we learn. We have so much to learn. The streams, there's so many. Streams. I don't belong to the, to the stream of Catholicism, but I have benefited from people who have truly walked with Jesus, tried to learn how to have conversations with God, who are from many different traditions. And man, we are so enriched. And I believe that God has, has he, man, he has been working his church long before this church or you or me ever arrived on the scene. We have a lot to learn, right? So these offices or these ways of doing prayer throughout the day, you can discover your own days, but seriously, it happened in the scriptures, right? Daniel, three times a day, he was praying to God. It got him into a lot of trouble, but it was the power in his life, right? The psalmist, Psalm 119, says says words like this. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 164. It's not one of your shortest chapters in the Bible says this seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous law seven times a day, and then he says this: Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wonder if that had anything to do with seven times a day. Not to get uh, you know legalistic about that, but just this matter of continually returning and, and being reminded and, and creating space and in our language as followers of Jesus. Creating space throughout the day and rhythms in our life where we are making room for the supremacy of Jesus to influence us toward the heart of Jesus. Amen? So he talks about this. He talks about like stopping, like, stop, be still. Stop. Sometime. So we have this prayer, right? We, it'll come back into here uh, when all this is the remodeling is finished in here in a few weeks. But it'll, it'll come right up here. We have this prayer space, right? In the sanctuary from 10 to 2 uh, during the days. Now, I know you can't get here from 10 to 2, many of you. If you can, come. Make a a special effort and come. If you can't, set your alarm on your watch or on your phone and and a time during that space of that four hours where you're just simply going to pause, stop, and spend like three minutes, five minutes with God just checking in, creating space for the supremacy of Jesus. Like you know, I mean, you probably, I mean, there'll be some way you can do that. Ask God how to do that for you creating space. Stop. To stop because to be still. Be still and know that I am God the scriptures say. To center. To center. Like that centering prayer, search me O oh God. Right? That's, that's, that's a centering in. Or you could do some of the centering prayers of the journey like we have talked about. You know Abba, I belong to you. Come Lord Jesus. I I surrender to you. You, I trust you. I trust you. You are enough. Set my love in order. And there's so many more that God will give you. Ask him. He'll give you your very own, you know, prayers for the journey that help you settle in to the presence of re-center into him. And silence. Learning just to then re-center and then be silent. Just hold yourself before him. Just like even for, like, do you know how long 60 seconds of silence is? (laughs) Just be silent with him. One minute, five minutes, just quiet your heart. It's not so much about words and asking for things as it is this. Learning to be with a person. To be with this person. Jesus Christ, oh, who had, who's, who's the king in this kingdom in which we live. Praise be to God, amen? How, what a privilege that is to just be refocused on him and move after that few minutes or so back into your day, recentered, realigned, doing it morning, noon, night. Find your rhythm, find the time, and then allowing scripture to just be speaking into your life. From much, from the scripture, right, um, this, there's so much that can just live in you. I mean, if you just took the scripture, Jesus, I believe that you are before all else and it is your power that holds everything together. The world does not need more Bible scholars. The world needs more Christ followers. The Bible's going to influence that hugely. But the goal is to let the Word read you, shape you, energize your life in this new kingdom in which you live the kingdom of our beloved Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, just this one before, before we close. This one story. From, from the early days of Israel. Uh, after This is in uh, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 5. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, the very presence of God, right? This, this enemy of Israel, they had captured the Ark of God. They took it from Ebenezer, uh, a town, to Ashdod, and they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple. Their god, Dagon, they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it before Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. The other god fell. <laughs> They took Dagon and put him back in in his place, because he had just fallen over, so they set him back up. But the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. He was all shattered. There's a good old um, philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard from, uh, you know, the 1500s in which he writes this. Lord, make our heart your temple in which you live. Grant that every impure thought, every earthly desire might be like the idol Dagon, which, more, which, which, which in the morning had broken at the feet of the presence of Jesus had broken at the feet of the presence of God. And for us, that is the presence of Jesus. Amen. So when we take space, you know how these idols collect in our hearts and we, we have this whole array of, we have our collection. It kind of happens without us asking people, give us idols and take care of this, take care of that. You know, we're drawn into this. But when we learn rhythmically to take time to be with God and recenter, we bring the ark of his presence right into our world. And lo and behold, the other idols have to fall. Amen? Okay. Why does this matter? Because it is in these times with God that chaos meets creation, weakness meets strength, flesh meets spirit, Chains meet freedom. Death meets life. Brokenness meets healing. Striving meets rest. Heaven meets earth. And humans meet God. Amen? Wow. And we get to do this, right? And you know what the good news is? It's not just for pastors, clergy, professional, professional religious people who get it mostly wrong most of the time. It's for all of us who are followers of Christ, where we can learn together to make space for the supremacy of Jesus, our living Lord. Hallelujah. It's good news. Amen? It is good news. So here's what I want to invite you to today. I I do. I I, I just invite uh, the... uh, maybe. Thank you, Uh, tech guys. If uh, the lights could come down now for a moment, we're just going to have a moment before the Lord. Um, If you really want to learn how to give space to the supremacy of Jesus in more, for the first time or in more effective ways, you really want to do this, then I just want to ask you. To stand up and say, I want to learn to create space for the supremacy of Jesus in my life throughout my day. You, God sees you. God knows your heart. God knows why you're standing. God understands your thoughts. He knows your journey. Uh, he knows the map you're on, even if you don't. And you want to create space. Amen. And this means that you're going to just explore and learn and you know, this, this book we're studying, it's not, it's, a, it's not a conclusion. It's a conversation starter, right? Okay. May the Lord grant you courage. May he help you remember to do something with this. And when he reminds you, I bless you at the heart of your will to say yes to him. I bless you to discover those pathways for you individually that help you create space and rhythms in your life for the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who happens to be your only rightful Lord. Amen? And I pray that your life will flourish as a woman, as a man of God, that your life will flourish as a child, as a teen, that your life will flourish, as a parent, as a husband and a wife, that your life will flourish as a follower of Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. You are calling us to yourself. You are wanting to do fresh and new things within us. And what you're doing matters. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallowed be your name, our Father. Hallowed be your name. We will not forget you. We will not treat you as irrelevant. We will not marginalize you. I pray, Father, that we will honor you and receive into our every day the supremacy of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen? Amen, amen.